Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 937 of Lockdown Raptors for Friday, April the 30th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at Lockdown Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Also, please make sure to support the podcast by subscribing to, following, rating, reviewing on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey Sports. It's very appreciated when you uh, when you give us the love over on those platforms. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar, making the best tasting protein bars around. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. More on Built Bar a little bit later on in the podcast. All right, on today's show, we're talking about another Raptors loss. This time, 121-111 as they begin their Western Conference road trip with an L in Denver against the Jamal murray list Denver Nuggets. It doesn't seem to matter because Nicole Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. are freaking good. And joining me on today's show, making his first appearance on the podcast, is uh, from Raptors Republic and TSN. It is Jamar Hines. Jamar, how's it going, man? I'm pretty good, Sean. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Happy to have you here. Uh, sorry we're talking about a loss, but you're a Nuggets guy as well. So I guess it's a bit of I a am. bittersweet evening for you. Uh, and as someone who has uh, purchased Nuggets gear and is fully uh, jumped on the, the, the bandwagon as well, it's nice to see them pick up a win too, uh, even if it does come at the Raptors' expense. Um, I mean, the tank people are happy, I guess, although there's not really anywhere for the Raptors to tank to right now, as we've kind of talked about. They're not getting any worse than seventh, probably no worse than eighth. And that's fine. Um, let's dive into this game, though, Jamar. We'll get into some stuff about the bench and the the sort of second unit that kind of brought the doom in this game in the fourth quarter. Uh, we'll talk about Kem Birch, who had a career-high night as well. But the biggest takeaway for me, and I would assume for anybody watching this game, Jamar, is the OG Ananobi happening, or whatever we're calling it right now. It continued, it keeps on going on, and the Raptors seem very committed to leaning into it. 25 points for him tonight, a little inefficient, 8 of 21, 4 of 8 from 3 after a very efficient first half where he had 19, kind of cooled off in the second half, um, you know, as it's going to happen when you're sort of learning the the ropes as a number one guy. Uh, Three boards, three assists, a steal, and a block as well for OG. Jamar... What did you make of OG Ananobi's game tonight, as it really did seem like they were funneling possessions to him in a way that they have not done yet in such a sort of clear and declarative way? Well, you just have to go back to previous years where basically OG would only score off cuts or off, you know, the open corner three or above the break. But now you're seeing a lot of the versatility where, you know, he'll take it on drives He'll post up a little bit, and that's actually how he found Birch cutting for a couple of dunks. Um, I just mm-hmm. I love the aggression, and he uses his str- he's very good at using the strength. Like defenders bounce off him as he's trying to like get to the rim, and some of it is a little bit robotic. But obviously, this is just the beginning stages of him realizing his potential as a scorer. So 
the more reps he gets in that role, you're just going to see him blossom more. Yeah, I'm not exactly in a rush to go rewatch games from the 2-8 and eight start to the season, um, but I would be kind of curious to go back and watch one of those games and see where OG was at like with his handle and his fluidity then and where he is now because it's got to be just night and day as he kind of gets more comfortable with the ball in his hands. And like you mentioned, the post-up stuff now, I mean, that is a new little wrinkle. That, and the playmaking is kind of coming along a little bit here. The three assists again tonight. You know, he had the six in the last game against Brooklyn as well. And, you know, that's sort of where star turns happen, right? Is, all right, you've done the thing where you're scoring efficiently, and that's great. But when teams start to load up on you and send extra attention your way, are you able to leverage that into things for your teammates? And OG was, in a lot of ways, able to do that in this game. Obviously, it's going to be a learning process, and it's going to take time. And there will be some lumps here and there, as we saw in the second half tonight. But that first half was as exciting and intoxicating a stretch from a guy I've seen on the Raptors in a very, very long time. And it really does sort of continue to deliver. As our friend Joe Wolfon from The Score pointed out, um, you know, all these games kind of have low stakes. The playoff, you know, the, the, the odds of the Raptors making it are pretty slim and all that. Um, the only real sort of thing to tune in for is OG Ananobi doing OG Ananobi things. And uh, that's definitely being delivered every single night. And it, it was a lot of fun. So the second half, he does kind of cool off just six points in the second half, bricked a couple of threes. Um, I thought it looked like he was a little bit gassed, as most of the Raptors seem to look gassed in every fourth quarter <laughs> these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't awesome, but what were your thoughts on sort of that second half? And, and I guess sort of a bit of a realization and a, remember, a reminder that, like, look, all this development is wonderful. It's not always, not every meteoric rise is linear. There are going to be some blips here and there as guys sort of learn the ropes. Um, what did you think of the way he kind of battled through that second half as things were clearly not quite as easy as the first? Overall, I thought it was okay. I mean, some of those shots that he missed, like I think he had a couple of corner threes that he missed but they're wide open. You want him to take those shots. So it's just like, yeah, it's probably, sure. I would just probably put it on fatigue. Honestly, I'd probably just put it on fatigue. Cause um, the first half I thought he was, I thought the Denver thing was happening again. I, I even tweeted out that, you know, he's going <laughs> to, he's going to have a new career high. Cause he had 19 in the first half. So I thought it was just the Denver thing going again, but yeah, I, I like most of the other Raptors. I, I think he just um, tailed off because of fatigue. Yeah, and we'll get to the bench in the in the second segment, and I kind of, you know, I, I want to dig into why we saw such a weirdo bench line at the start of the fourth quarter, and I think OG was at like 28 minutes, 29 minutes through three quarters, and that's why they went with that bench-heavy lineup, frankly. <laughs> Everyone had played a lot to stay in the game through three quarters, yeah. um, OG chief among them. I did think, and this was pointed out by a uh, regular guest of the podcast, Brad Too Much Hoops on Twitter, um, pointed out that in the fourth quarter, when it was kind of garbage time, they brought all the starters out except for OG, and he was running with the garbage time lineup kind of as the number one for a few minutes there. He hit the one really sort of powerful and one on the run, um, and I thought that was kind of notable. Like, do you sense that there's like a bit more intent with the way the Raptors are sort of giving possessions to OG, and you know, do you agree with it? I, I feel like everyone kind of is on board with it but um to see them kind of sell out and say all right og like do your thing is that something you're glad to see and are looking forward to watching over the final nine games or so here 
Yeah, definitely want to see what his capabilities are, like just expanding its growth more and more. But yeah, I did, honestly, I didn't even really take that in about um, him coming in at the end of the fourth. I saw the end one that you were talking about. I didn't even, that's a pretty good, that's a good mm-hmm. point. I didn't even really think about that. But yeah, just having him in different situations, even if it's not with the usual playmakers that he plays with, like a Kyle or a Fred or whatever, just to see what he could even do in that role more. Any growth... I'm all up for it because, I mean, my line of expectations are not really high, obviously. How could they be with the way their schedule is lining up for the rest of the season? So this is all just a developmental aspect for me. Yeah, that loss really does uh, throw a wrench in any plans to get the play in. Obviously, they still have that one game against Washington next week, which could have or does have a lot of implications if they can kind of hang tight. But the schedule is not getting any easier. They get the back-to-back in Utah and L.A. this weekend. Um, it's going to be an uphill climb to make up that ground. So, yeah, it, it is very much now, I think, more than any time yet this season, I'm ready to sort of resign myself to them missing the postseason for the first time in forever. They clinched their first uh, sub-500 record in a very long time as well today. Oh, yeah, um, true. You know, not great stuff, but that development is kind of exciting and gets you sort of up to watch these games. So let me ask you this, Jamar. You get to pick one skill, one element of OG's game that you are sort of keying in on and that you want to see really kind of blossom over the next nine games here to close the season. You get you only get one. What do you pick? What are you most intrigued by to close the year from OG? Hmm. I would say, and it's not even, I, I feel like that's kind of nitpicking because it's, I feel like just his fluidity as a finisher, um, because... Sure. I mean, he doesn't, it's not like he's a poor finisher or anything, but he does have like a couple of robotic moves where it's like, you don't really know where this is going. And then he throws something up, something, sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. But if he had just like a more, more fluid moves, getting to the rim and finishing, because he's already very physical as it is. So if he just had more ways Mm -hmm. of finishing at the rim, I think that would, that would help. And it would help him to draw fouls too. Because sometimes, sometimes when he gets to the rim and he just like doesn't really have a plan, just throws something up. Refs are not going to give you that call, right? And then he want he like he. I mean, he got five free throws today, but I'm just saying that um, a lot of times when you seem out of control going to the rim, you're not going to get that call. Yeah, especially since he does this thing sometimes where he like almost travels yes, and like yes. tries to get bailed out. There was like a jump ball called at one point tonight. Um, another time, I think there should have been a travel where there wasn't. Um, th- that is a really good one to kind of watch the refinement around the rim. I think for me, it's I'm really curious to see. A, I hope he keeps shooting 20 times a game. Like, why the hell not? Like, empty the clip. Who cares? But the thing I'm fascinated by is can he maintain his like all-world, best wing defender alive sort of ceiling on defense when he is taking on that extra burden offensively. And, I mean, look, every star player has a bit of a drop-off defensively as they gain more of an offensive role and sort of more control of their offense. That's just how it works. There's only so much energy in a person's body that they can expend. But that's going to be, to me, because, like, you know, is it worth OG being 
you know, a 1A to Siakam in terms of usage if his defense is no longer all defense level. I, I think in the second half, we saw a bit of a drop off there um, as he, again, looked pretty fatigued in the first half. Certainly he was doing the defense and scoring thing and it was wonderful. And, you know, it's hard to take anything into account this season with all the fatigue that's definitely kind of baked into these guys from COVID and the travel and the ups and downs and the injuries and everything. So um, we might not get a lot of clarity on if he's able to sort of match the defense to his increased offensive load, but I will be kind of keeping an eye on that to see how he does sort of manage and you know conserve his energy and how Nick Nurse, frankly, decides to deploy him as well as he has that increased role. Um, and on that note, on the note of Nick Nurse deploying guys, uh, <laughs> let's uh, get into the bench in just oh, one boy. second here and where things went wrong. Yeah, it's not going to be a fun segment, but it'll be interesting. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball is in full swing. You've got basketball playoffs and hockey playoffs coming up soon as well. This weekend also has a ton of great stuff. You've got the second and third rounds of the draft coming up on Friday and Saturday. You've got the Kentucky Derby this weekend as well, the first leg of the Triple Crown beginning, like the betting sport that there is. Get all the latest nudes, odds, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action as well. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of their great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. And when you go over to the website you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you sign up when you use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. So if you put in 100 bucks, you're going to get 150 bucks to uh, use in your account right away. That's an awesome deal. Go to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Jamar, let's continue on here, diving into the Raptors' loss to the Nuggets, a loss that was portended by the start of the fourth quarter when the Raptors rolled out a lineup of Malachi Flynn, Freddie Gillespie, Utah Watanabe, Rodney Hood, and I want to say it was DeAndre Benbury. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, was uh, to start that fourth quarter. Ooh, woof. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as I kind of noted in the first uh, segment, they went pretty heavy on, um, you know, the starters in the first three quarters, just trying to stay close with a very good Nuggets team that has the future MVP on it and all that. Um, and I think you kind of saw the cost of, both running your starters hard and also not having Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., and Chris Boucher in, in this game, and you saw that lineup. Um, what did you think of Nurse's decision to throw that lineup out there? Do you think it's some sort of symbol that the team is tanking, or is it just a matter of we have no bodies and this is what we have to do to survive a few minutes? I think it's the we have no bodies. Um, but it's not the first time we've seen that lineup. We've actually seen that lineup from yeah. time to time in the last few games. Like normally in the second quarter, you'll see that lineup. Um, but what I was suggesting, because obviously you're playing the starters a huge deal of minutes, I was suggesting that uh, maybe you could, Nurse could have found a way to kind of stagger Pascal's minutes since we were going heavy OG mm-hmm. anyway to, you know, take out Pascal a few minutes early so that he could come back and, you know, help Malachi run the second unit because it's kind of asking a lot for Malachi to just kind of – because he's had a knack for doing things in the fourth quarter, but it's it's asking mm-hmm. a lot for him to, 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 to run that lineup, especially against a team as good as Denver. It's, it, that's asking a lot. So, I mean, that was no surprise to see the lead – I mean, not the lead, the, the game just get out of hand. And then even when the starters came back, like the damage was already done. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was, um, I felt bad for Flynn there in that stretch, right? Like, there's only so much he can do. He's, like, the only guy that really is deserving of any of that much attention. Um, you didn't get a huge Watanabe game. You know, Benbury will sometimes have these games where he kind of, you know, is able to kind of create his own shot and score around the bucket and stuff like that, but not at all in this one. Um, and there was just not enough help. Six turnovers for Flynn in this one, which is bizarre to see, considering he never turns the ball over unless he's handing it over to a ref to wind up the clock uh, for sportsmanship reasons. And, you know, the the turnovers kind of sour a pretty decent line. Otherwise, 16-6-4, six of nine shooting. So really, he continues to have that really kind of beautiful leaning floater slash jump shot kind of in between thing that he keeps going to that he seems to have really good body control on um that was great to see he's knocking down his threes he seems to have a lot more confidence but yeah the the lack of any sort of help led to those turnovers and I like the point you made about Siakam you know low usage game for him in this one just five of 11 um I don't think he necessarily looked like out of sorts or anything like that he just kind of looked like he was taking a step back he was riding the sidecar next to OG and yeah, I think you, your point's well taken that you swap him in for Bembry or someone in that second unit, and all of a sudden, you can run a Flynn-Siakam pick-and-roll or a Flynn-Gillespie pick-and-roll with shooting around it, and you're kind of cooking a little bit more, and you're not, you know, pissing away five minutes of basketball by not scoring any buckets. Yeah, um, yeah. And, that's, that's disappointing, yeah. And, no, go ahead. Well, sorry, with, um, and to bring him that point with like even a Malachi uh, Pascal pick and roll because guys like Utah, Freddie, guys like that, they are much better with someone who could make a play for them. That's how you get Utah's open threes. That's how you get maybe a lob for Freddie or something like that. Pascal with his play, with his improved mm-hmm. playmaking, that would have definitely opened up another window for that. So um, yeah, it's, it's especially with the guys that we talked about missing with Fred and, uh, Gary and, and stuff. This, that that five man lineup will never work. I I see it every game for a, a little stretch. And every time I see it, I'm just like, okay, <laughs> how much of an L are we gonna take for this period? Like minus seven, minus eight, minus ten. Just like, okay, we're just gonna roll with this until a timeout. It's just like, you just you just know a run for the other team is coming. I've seen it over the last few games. They're just like, I don't even know. And that that was even before Gary what Gary got hurt. Because yeah. he was, a, he was like when he first went to the bench, he was a part of that lineup. And but he kind of had the norm thing going on where he didn't, you know, like he wasn't really comfortable with the bench role yet. But yeah, that's just, mm-hmm. uh, just I just feel like more staggering could solve that problem. Yeah, it's almost like Nurse needs to like read the tortoise and the hare for homework and realize like. Yes, it's it's important to have your best players on the floor a lot because they're good and they drive winning and all of that. But also, if you have them all like pushing 30 minutes after three quarters, like you're kind of putting yourself in a corner and, you know, there's no way for you to finish the game with any sort of strength. And look, this team might not really have the legs or the juice to actually finish games out right now, considering all they've gone through, considering the travel. This was an altitude game as well. Like that, that's all baked in here. And 
you know, I might sound like I'm making excuses or whatever, but I don't think it's an excuse. Like, they've had a hell season where they've been on the road the entire time. It would make sense to me that they kind of lose steam as games go on, especially if they're playing heavy minutes to stay in games because of all the guys they're missing and because, um, you know, they just have to kind of give their A game, especially against good teams. Like, there's just not a lot of margin for error right now, especially with those three guys out tonight. And I, I, if you just sort of, if you're nurse and you kind of sprinkle in some two-starter lineups and three-starter lineups and just sort of maybe sort of coast your way through a game a little bit more and try to find those in-between spots as opposed to staying tight with the starters in the first quarter, maybe in the second quarter you're actually winning it and kind of winning those bench minutes against a second unit that you can kind of beat up on. You know, there's, I think, a different way that Nurse could potentially approach this, but also I have a hard time really criticizing Nurse all that much because it's an impossible situation right. he's in. The dude looks despondent on the bench anytime it pans over to him. Like, there's just... There's only so much they can control about everything that's gone on this year, and I think you continue to see things catching up. I mean, they were once again quoting Fred Van Vliet in this whole I feel like shit comment <laughs> a couple days yeah. ago. Shout out to Danielle Michaud for spelling it out of the broadcast. You love to see it. Um, and it's just, it seems like they're over it, man. And, you know, here's hoping a road trip is good for camaraderie and stuff, but like you're going on a road trip in the last week of the season or the last two weeks of the season, how much camaraderie and how much benefit from said camaraderie you're actually going to gain when you've been on the road all season long anyway. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I disagreed with the lineup decisions. I think most people did. Also, I kind of get it, and I'm not going to get too up in arms about it because I'm not too up in arms about anything these days. It's a bummer. It's a lost season, and if they don't make the play-in, they at least get to go home and sleep in their own freaking beds, which, uh, you know, <laughs> it, there's there's positives to that as well. Um, speaking of positives, Jamar, we're going to finish up. We're going to talk about Kem Birch, who had a career-high game in this one with 20 points. We will dive into his effort and sort of how... He's maybe changing what this offseason's priorities might look like in terms of finding center depth or a starting center or an upgrade or whatever that might be. Uh, this will sort of build off a mailbag question I got and answered on earlier on Thursday's podcast, but um, I want to get your thoughts on it and we will uh, continue on in just a second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. They have 18 amazing flavors in their regular lineup, including lemon almond cheesecake, apple almond crisp, uh, double chocolate, toffee almond, peanut butter brownie, which is very good. And they have flavors that are non-nut and nut. So if you have an allergy, don't worry. There are plenty of flavors for you. Bill, bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets as well. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, all one word, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And keep an eye out for their limited edition flavors like coconut brownie chunk and raspberry cheesecake. Those ones are great, and they're just kind of hanging on the site once in a while. Why you might be able to snag them. So go to builtbar.com right now. Do it. All right, Jamar, let's finish this thing out on a positive note, shall we? Uh, Ken Birch, 20 points, eight rebounds, four assists, two steals, a plus eight, a career high 20 points on eight of 10 shooting, hit two threes as well, has now officially hit more threes with the Raptors in the last like three weeks than he did his entire Orlando Magic career. It's beautiful to see. Um, what were your thoughts on Ken Birch's performance tonight? He was uh, everything you want a center to be, man. He's everywhere. I I, I love watching him. He's he's everywhere. Um, he he runs the floor really well. Um, he knows when to cut. 
because he like that's how OG found him a couple of times. It makes me wonder. Well, I guess you could say this a lot with Orlando, but what the hell were they doing? Like, <laughs> it's just I, I just don't. Because honestly, I did not know how much Ken Birch brought to the table until he came here. I saw him a couple of times in Orlando. I didn't really think much of it because I I didn't really see him play all that much. It's just they just used him so horribly, and that's why he was so eager to get the hell out of there. I'm just I don't know. It's got it kind of blows my mind actually. But yeah, he has five threes already as a Raptor. He had four in four seasons with Orlando's. And his release <laughs> his release looks great. Like cause he's even had like a lot of mid-range jumpers here too. Like he has a great release. I have no problem with him taking those shots. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he has opened up the offense because for the first time this season, really. Lowry's, especially the chemistry with Lowry, he's he's had someone that he could throw lobs to. He's had someone that he could do the um, pick and roll with because, I mean, like he could also do it with Boucher, but this season a lot, Boucher's been doing pick and pops from the three-point line, which has also been really successful. But he's really mm-hmm. opened up a different dimension and, you know, getting on the offensive glass, uh, he just gives you a little bit of everything and it's... <laughs> what we've had to see this season with you know the rotation of Baines and Len <laughs> and then you know one day one day Bane starts one day Len starts it's just like okay what's the difference here really it's like okay forget it start neither of them start put put Pascal and OG as the bigs it's just like this is just I, I for it hasn't been that long since you know Serge and Mark have been here but that stretch made it feel so long and now that we're finally getting competent play at center again it's just a breath of fresh air it really is man um i the thing that strikes me the most is the passing like he and and you mentioned the way that the sort of boucher lowry pick and roll combination works i mean boucher never passes not a good passer at all and that's fine you know he's you you need gunners you need guys to just finish plays and that's cool but they finally now have a center who can make those plays on the short roll. I mean, they trapped Lowry a couple times. He gets it to Birch, and Birch can, you know, put the ball on the deck a couple times. He can survey, and he can find a corner shooter. And that is just like, you know, it's a simple thing. It doesn't seem like it's all that difficult, but obviously it is because every center would do it if, if it wasn't, if it was that easy. And that vision, like, again, it's just another thing that I guess the Magic missed on, I suppose. And look, the Magic had Nikola Vucevic. I understand, like, he's going to play 36 minutes a game and there's not going to be a ton of backup center minutes. But it's wild that Birch himself seems to be kind of realizing, like, oh, shit, I can do that, too? Okay. (laughs) And it's... It's been a blast, and it does kind of, and this, like I said, I got a question on yesterday's Mailbag podcast about sort of, could Ken Birch just conceivably be the starter on next year's team? And, you know, I still think you want to look for an upgrade. I, I'm very, very lusty for Miles Turner. Everybody knows this, and there's lots of other guys out there who you could potentially target, but if they don't find a deal that that's right, they don't find, uh, you know, a, a, a salary that they want to hand out to a, a, a potential free agent that they feel comfortable with, I feel like Birch has kind of put them in the spot now where they don't necessarily have to force a move for an upgraded center. They could just say, yeah, we'll roll with it. And he can be like our Daniel Tice stand-in, basically, where he doesn't have to do a lot. He's going to benefit a lot from how little he has to do and how much everybody else has attention uh, you know, being placed on them. And he's just he's never going to let you down. He's going to give you exactly what you need every single night. Is there any part of you, Jamar, who's just like, you know what, screw it, just give him the starting job next season and, and look to allocate those off-season resources elsewhere? 
I would still like them to see what they could get. Miles Turner would be great. Mm-hmm. I still would like to see what, what you know, what's out there, what's possible. But whether Kem's a starter or whether he is in a reserve role, I think he works really good with the team. And if you like, I, I don't just doing the numbers off the top of my head. Like after today, mm-hmm. he'd be averaging somewhere around uh, like around eleven points, seven boards. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's not bad for a starter. That's not bad for a starter at yeah. all, but a block and a half. I mean, that's way better compared to what we had earlier in the season. So I can live with that as, as a starter. If, if yeah, there's no, other, if there's no sure. other options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, again, the Daniel Tice thing is the perfect example. He's a very good little standard. And then, Hey, Robert Williams comes along and he dunks everything. And it's like, okay, he's, he's our starter now. And Tice goes to being the backup to, you know, getting traded for tax reasons. I don't think the Celtics were necessarily thrilled to move on from him. And the Bulls seem to love him because he's just that kind of guy. He's like the perfect comp, I think, for what Ken Birch is doing right now. Um, especially if Birch can knock down some threes the way he has, because man, did the Celtics in the playoffs become a different team when Daniel Tice was knocking down a three or two from the corner. It just, it kind of changed the entire complexion of those games that he was playing in. Um, and yeah, there's always going to be room to upgrade on a Ken Birch. He obviously doesn't bring shooting. He doesn't bring, um, you know, a ton of self-creation or anything like that. But there's still a lot there. The defensive side of the ball, he's outstanding. I mean, the rim protection's been great. I'm even more impressed by the fact that he can kind of switch out and stay with smaller guys, and that's awesome too. The passing obviously makes him playable. It's not like he's going to get played off the floor because he can't make those reads in sort of the vein of like a Valanchunas back in the day where, you know, he's great and all, but he could never make that four-on-three read, and that completely sewered the Raptors and, and, you know, chopped their offense off at the head with DeMar and Kyle getting those traps thrown their way. And Birch has that as a sort of outlet. Um, you know, I do think at the very least, Ken Birch to me, you know, I know Rashawn Holmes has been sort of one of those like dream targets for the Raptors in the offseason. I do think Ken Birch makes it for me that I don't really care to sort of pursue Rashawn Holmes because he kind of does the Rashawn Holmes thing right. where he hits floaters, hits easy buckets around the basket and, you know, you know, offers the defense and all that without the shooting, which which Holmes doesn't have. Um, is that like a fair point? Like, even if there is still an upgrade to be made out there, I don't think that archetype of player of Rashawn Holmes is the answer anymore. No, you're right about that. That's uh, that's a good point because th- at that at this point, they kind of do the same things. It'd be kind of redundant. Um, honestly, one thing I didn't know about Birch that's kind of been he's just, he's been a little bit underrated as an offensive rebounder because even the other game against Brooklyn, yeah. what nine offensive rebounds? I didn't see that come. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't see that coming either. So, uh, if you yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, who what type of big outside of like Turner would complement Birch. Like if you had the, the depth chart of the both of them. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, Ibaka is, like, the archetype, too, right? Like, right. just rim-protecting and shooting is kind of what you want from one of your centers nowadays, right. you would think. Yeah. So, it's hard to think. Of, like, it's not a exactly popular player archetype. As much as, like, stretch fives are, like, all the, all the craze, there's not that many available or even in the league. It's a... Uh, it's a tough commodity to find. Um, and that maybe it's a draft thing, right? You know, I was watching uh, Usman Garuba highlights today and thinking, oh shit, maybe he's the backup center. All right. Uh, <laughs> I can get on board with that. Um, but yeah, there's uh, that. I think 
like I said, that that sort of archetype, the the, the guy who can shoot and, and and rim protect, I think is sort of what you're targeting now. And, and the Rashawn Holmes thing kind of goes out the window a little bit. Um, Jamar, before we leave here, we should probably uh, shout out Kyle Lowry playing in his 600th yes. game as a Toronto Raptor tonight. That's pretty fun. Uh, time goes fast, apparently. Uh, and he also played quite well. 20 points, 5 boards, 7 assists, 2 steals, uh, 5 of 10 from deep. He continues to be uh, really freaking good. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts. I haven't had you on the show before, and I, and I kind of like to talk about Kyle with everybody, because why wouldn't you? But where are you at on, you know, amid all these sort of Sixers rumors flying around and all that, where are you at on Lowry going into this offseason? Do you want to see the Raptors bring him back? Are you okay if they part ways? Um, what's your sort of ideal Lowry outcome right now? Honestly, I'm in the boat where as long as Kyle's happy with the move, I'm okay with that, whether he's here or not. Sure. Because I didn't want to, sure. the last thing I wanted to see was a, a DeMar situation where he, you know, he's pissed off about where he ended up or whatnot. Like I didn't want that, but um, I understand the problem with say, for example, we've been starting Kyle and Fred the last couple of years. And, you know, you had that size mm-hmm. issue in the backcourt and Fred's kind of elevated himself to the level where you could kind of give him the keys. So ha- still having Kyle here may stunt his growth a little bit. I understand that. But then there's other times where it's just like Kyle's just so freaking good and it ma- make him <laughs> make him plays for everybody. It's like he has this ability where when everything is bogged down, he has a way of just getting getting us out of it whether it doesn't have to be just scoring mm-hmm. it's be facilitating as well so there are parts of his game like savvy parts of his game is even in the mid-range where like fred hasn't developed that ability yet it's funny because i, I actually like malachi's mid-range game more is in between game more <laughs> but i'm i'm okay with what whatever happens if he goes i understand if he if they hand the keys over to Fred. I understand. It's just like, I don't really have a horse in that race. It's just like, either way, I understand. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, my entire uh, intention is uh, I want to be at the game Kyle Lowry plays in Toronto next in a, in a Raptors uniform, and I want that to happen uh, very, very badly. Right. So I'm probably swayed just by the potential of that still being on the table. Um, and also the fact that he's quite good and would fit with whatever the next edition of the team is going to look like. Um, but yeah, it, you know, shout out to him for 600 games. That's it, it's we don't need to talk about the future right now. We can just talk about enjoying every single thing that happens right now. And this is the thing, right? It's like it seems like every night there's a new Kyle Lowry milestone that's taking place. And uh, I, I again, once again, for the 12th time in the last two weeks, implore people to enjoy the hell out of it because we might not get a lot more of it and there might not be too much of that sort of number accrual where you get those fun little fence posts so enjoy the hell out of it uh last thing before we go here jamar we're gonna do the tankathon sim of the day uh yesterday or two days ago we did one with katie uh and uh the raptors jumped up for the very first time in the history of the tankathon sim of the day here on the podcast they jumped up to fourth in the draft lottery um from eighth they continue to sit at eighth right now after tonight's game they are 26 and 37, 26.3% chance at the top four, and a 6% chance at number one overall. Jamar, I'm going to spin it. Yeah, here we go. There's my drum roll. Here we go. 
And the Raptors fall two spots. Oh, oh no. Wow. Uh, the Wizards jump up to <laughs> from nine up to two, and the Houston Rockets jump up. The what, what is it? oh the the, Bull, the Bulls jump up as well to fourth. Boy, a, this is not what you that's want. That's a goofy um, spin right there. <laughs> yeah, you've brought some strange luck to the Tankathon Sim of the Day, Jamar. Um, hey. Do you have any? Uh, I'm not sure about how much of a draft guy you are, but uh, do you have any sort of? If the Raptors are to go ten, is there a name around that range that you're kind of uh, honing in on right now? <sighs> That far, kind of out of my range, I don't really know because this has been, obviously, not just for the NBA, this has been a weird season for college as well. So normally I would have a better grasp on who, like, the lottery picks. But outside of, like, say the top six or seven, I kind of, I kind of, it's like a crapshoot for me. Couldn't even go Mm -hmm. that far in terms of what I'd want. I'd have to do some extensive research on that. Oh, buddy, same here. Uh, don't worry. The uh, the draft coverage will be coming. The Raptors season is uh, not long for this world, and we're going to have a lot of time to kill, and there will be deep, deep draft dives on basically every prospect in the top 20, I'm thinking. We're just going to take a day and do an episode on each of these guys, um, so you'll have that to look forward to. Of course, uh, the highlights are going around today. Usman Garuba in the EuroLeague had like 24 and 12 today for Real Madrid. He's 19 years old. Uh, nice. <laughs> it's pretty exciting stuff. Um, and there were a couple highlights out there of him like calling for an ISO on a guard uh, defensively, stealing the ball from said guard and dunking. And I was uh, fully in. So there's Usman Garuba to get excited about. Um, as it stands right now on Tankathon in their mock draft page, they have Moses Moody going 10th overall, which also wouldn't be bad. He's kind of in that, you know, Mikhail Bridges OG mold of, you know, we know he's going to be a good defender and reliable player for sure. And maybe if he figures some things out, he becomes something more. So I'm not opposed to Moses Moody either. Again, we're going to do deep draft dives on all these guys as we get further into the draft process. Uh, kind of be a fun little different thing for the podcast since we haven't really ever covered a draft in depth like this. Um, but anyway, Jamar, thank you so much for making your first appearance on the podcast. It was lovely chatting with you. Absolutely want to have you back again. Where can people check out your work? Um, you can check out my work on Raptors Republic. Um, I've been doing a lot of reactions after each game, so you'll see a lot of posts from me as on there. Um, and then you can also find my tweets at JamarBH. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, follow Jamar for sure. Uh, we'll have you back again, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, that'll do it for this week of shows. Of course, we'll be back again on Monday to break down a double shot against the Jazz and the Lakers. That'll be fun. We'll get Big V on on Monday. Uh, also next week, Javon Shepard is going to come on the podcast. Uh, we arranged the schedule. He's going to come on Thursday after the Wizards game next week. The big time Wizards game, which might decide where the season ultimately lands, uh, even if it's you know looking probably decided anyway right now um so that's to look forward to next week lots more stuff as well um and uh yeah we'll wrap it up there thank you so much for tuning in all week long we'll be back again on monday and uh, have a wonderful weekend bye bye